0: yeah amen. yeah, I'm keep praying. keep praying for God to continue working. And so Father, we do pray for those this morning that are out on the fire lines, and we pray that you would be safe and hold them and keep them and keep them safe. We thank you for those who've come down from Canada to join us, and we thank you for their help. Lord, we thank you for the rain. Lord, we thank you for your help. We thank you for you displaying your greatness of power. So we pray, Lord, that you would just continue to move and use this, this tragedy, Lord, somehow and in some way to declare your great name, declare who you are. Lord, for great is your faithfulness. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, "Amen." We're in Acts. Uh, Acts. We're in John. First John. We're somewhere in the Bible. Just no, I'm kidding. We're in First John chapter three, and uh, verses twenty two through twenty four. This is one of those passages. Passages. I think sometimes you would like to pass up if you're a pastor in teaching. It's a difficult passage, um, and uh, sometimes I think we need to address the diff. I think actually, often we need to address the difficulty, and it during those times when when we know what the Bible says, we believe it to be true, and yet not only do these things not always connect or measure up or happen in our lives, but we don't always see them happening in the lives of other people. And and to to look for an explanation, and I think that's normal, I think that's also a good thing to do, to look for an explanation, but also I think we have to hold those explanations rather loosely because we don't, we don't always know the full situation. A matter of fact, we rarely know this full situation. I don't think we even know at times the full situation in our own lives. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that we do see dimly. And uh, and so one of these days we will see face to face. But this is one of those passages in uh, that it doesn't always make sense when I... Try to live this out practically. And again, did did the Lord mean what he said here? Absolutely, he meant what he said. So how do we balance that? How do we work through that? The question is, is, is how do we approach prayer? And, And what is... When I talk about prayer, what do you think of? What does prayer mean to you? What is your prayer life like? And as I've shared with you before, uh, I believe that prayer is, is not an event. It is a life. In other words, our, our entire life is a prayer. But in reality, also, there are times in our life that we have special times set aside to pray. So it, it's, it's kind of a, a dualistic uh, understanding of this truth. Our whole life is a prayer to God. But yes, there are those times that we we pray to him. And we, we read this in Psalm 34, how, how we cry out to the Lord and he does what? He hears us. Let's look at these verses real quick and then I'm going to make it even harder on myself by reading a few more verses to you as if this isn't already difficult enough. In verse 30, excuse me, verse 22 of chapter 3. It says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him and by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us, which we will actually probably start with next week in, in that verse and, and go into chapter, chapter four. So, Father, we ask that you would use this time, minister to our hearts, minister to our minds, minister to our innermost being. Lord, we pray that we would Walk away from this time together this morning. Renewed in our confidence toward you. So we pray, Lord, that that you would give us understanding. We ask this in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. And of course, that is part of the, the context here in this latter part of chapter 3 where it says in... Uh, Verse 19, and by this we know that we are of the truth and and shall assure our hearts before him. And if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and he knows all things. And so what John is looking to do here in this latter part of this chapter, he's looking to provide some confidence, some assurance uh, of even though our hearts might condemn us, that God is greater than our hearts. And thank God that God is greater than our hearts. and thank God that that God sees us and judges us through the blood of Jesus Christ, if we have received Him, not based on our own merits, not based on our own works. But then He goes on and He says uh, uh, in verse twenty-two. To me, that to me that's the real is like the sticks out here. And it says, "And whatever we ask, we receive from Him, and because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight." Now. Have you ever asked something of God and not received? You can raise your hand. I'm going to raise mine. Yes. Okay, a few of you, this doesn't apply. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. You can leave and the rest. No, I'm kidding. Um, Yeah, I think we all have. And we pray to God and we don't receive what we asked. And we go to verses like this. And we wonder what? What's going on? Even worse, others who might know of your prayer request that you prayed and you have not received, they go to verses like this, and they know what's going on, or so they think. I'm being sarcastic. This is one of those verses that, particularly if you have a big Bible-thumper Bible-like mine, that you can really beat people over the head with rather than apply it to ourselves. So if this isn't already bad enough, let me read a few more verses to you. Don't try to keep up with me, Phil. It'll just be easier for me to spit them out. I've got them in front of me. So Matthew 21, verse 22 says, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you sh- will receive. Matthew twenty-one, twenty-two. all right? Then John fifteen, seven says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. All right, John fifteen seven. all right? Then in 1 John chapter five, verse 14, and we're gonna kind of touch on this somewhat today, uh, and I think it gives us a, probably a pretty good explanation here. Uh, it says, now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now that kind of tips us a little bit, doesn't it? And it causes us to to have, I think, a little bit greater context in this. Uh, um and just for fun, I'll throw in one more. All right. James 5.16. It says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent, fervent prayer, I always want to throw another R in there, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. The ESV translates that a little differently. They, they translate it, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. When well, I read some of this, I'm thinking, one of these days I'm probably going to switch to ESV. I'm just going to throw that out there for you. But anyway, um, I, I like that translation. I also like the Holman, but anyway, or the Christian Standard Bible, which is now what it's called. So what do we make of this? Especially in those times that you really have searched your heart and you have diligently prayed and you have diligently sought the Lord. And you have diligently asked the Lord to cleanse you of all your sin and you're trying to live a righteous Christian life and you pray fervently and nothing happens. I've had many of those times. We started talking about this a little bit on Wednesday night, didn't we, when we were talking about prayer? And I mentioned that I've had some things that I've been praying for for about 10 years. And I thought about that again, and I thought about a few things. One thing in particular, I've been praying for for over, got to do the math here, about over 32 years. Still praying. So what's the problem? Are we just not good Christians? Is this a conditional promise? Is this a conditional verse? I mean, it's, it's pretty clear. What I, what I found interesting is I, as I went and I read about this, and most of the commentators did not want to deal with the paradox. They didn't want to deal with, with the apparent inconsistency between what happens in our lives and what is truly a legitimate claim in the Bible. Because this, this is legitimate. This isn't, this isn't, there's no asterisk here that, that, where it says, well, actually, Jesus actually graves on a curve, okay? There, there, it, it's pretty plain what it says. Which is fine, but how do we interpret this as we go forth in our lives? I think the surrounding verses probably add some things into that, and that's what I want to end with um, but what what I want to look at this morning is is look at this because I, I do see this as a problem, I do see this as a diff, as a difficulty, and we're we're going into some kind of excursion here where we, we we cannot have in my mind truly hard, firm, definitive answers. If you do this, this will happen. Okay, I don't I don't, and I believe if you believe that, maybe you haven't thought deeply enough about this. Okay. And maybe I've thought too deeply about this. I don't know. But, but I don't think that there are really firm, definitive answers. And it is definitely not a situation where one size fits all. At least I don't believe it is. I haven't said it yet, so I might as well say it now. Your mileage may vary, okay? Okay. But what we have here is, I believe, as we're, we're, we're delving into this, I think in part we're, we're, we're addressing and touching on the mysteries of God and the reason why they're mysteries is because we don't understand them well. And particularly in modern thinking, we want to be able to understand, categorize, slice and dice. Well, I even I remember in, in undergraduate um, undergraduate work where you take a task, you'll remember this, Bill, you take a task and you break it down into the those small incremental parts, which made a lot of sense when you're teaching people how to do a task. I think it also makes a lot of sense when you're teaching people concepts until you hit the roadblock, if you want to call it that, or you hit that that sense of darkness because you look at the mysteries of God and and Isaiah said it very plainly and very clearly that his ways are above our ways and his ways are beyond our finding out. And I don't really necessarily like that as a teacher, let alone having to live this out. But having people look to me at, at times and, and want answers for why things are happening in their life the way they are and why it is that they are praying for their loved one who is getting worse and worse and worse instead of getting better, why it is that the relationship is not healed, why it is that you can't find the job, why it is that you can't you know pay the bills, and all these things— that that take place in our lives that I just look at and at times I'm just, I'm just uh, astonished in a bad way of just why Lord is these things happening to people and there's all kinds of different reasons as I referred to earlier I think it's important that when we look at our own lives. That we recognize again as first Corinthians chapter thirteen says thirteen twelve that we see dimly that we see things um impartial um, that we don't see things completely, we don't see them wholly uh fully well, i mean um, not h o l e but h w h o l e y all right we don't see things in their completeness. And therefore, because of that, we are prone to miss things. And what I've realized, too, that, that, that uh, and, and I, I look at this at times, and it's like, uh, I, I look at, at some people, and I look how God has blessed their lives, and I, I'm thinking, uh, why have you blessed them? why do they appear to have it so easy it's and some of them that i that i actually know personally it's like they're barely saved you know what i mean and it's like lord i'm struggling i'm trying i'm wanting to to honor you i'm, I'm wanting to follow you and, and god knows yeah, i you know i don't do it perfectly right but my heart is truly in this and it seems like I have to crawl and scratch and sc- scrap and fight for every advancement, it seems, at times. And it doesn't seem right. But God's ways are higher than our ways. But what I have found, too, is that in some of those situations with people, God, for whatever reason, and you know what? He's God, so we can do whatever he wants, right? And he's never asked for a consult from any of us, nor will he ever ask for a consult from any of us. But there are times he's just extremely gracious. Now think about that and internalize that. Rather than project it out on that person. Sometimes God is just extremely gracious. And it says here for whatever we ask we receive from him. Now that word ask is in the present tense form. Which means asking continuously. continuous. Asking It could literally be translated, whatever we keep asking for. Now, my understanding of that, in my perfect world, is whatever I keep asking for, for maybe three to five minutes. Rather than three to five days. Three to five weeks. Three to five months. Three to five years. Three to five decades a lifetime, whatever we keep asking for, we will receive from him. So, the prerequisite of some of this is that we are in a place that we are truly asking for the right things and for the right reasons. Again, First John chapter 5, verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, I hate to think how many things that I have prayed for over and over in my life That might not have been the will of God for me. I don't know the answer to that question. I think sometimes it's better not to know the answer to that question. But I want to bring up this idea. Is that sometimes we are a bit short-sighted in our prayers. We're a bit short-sighted in our prayers. Jesus says in Matthew 2022, 20, Jesus answered, and he said to them, "You do not know what you ask." This is a story where, where the uh, um, um, James and John's mother, James and John's mother was a typical Jewish mother, right? And, and she was wanting for when Christ entered into the, his kingdom, that John and James would sit on the left and the right-hand side. rather ambitious don't you think perhaps the boys put mom up to this i don't know and jesus says you don't know what you're even asking and, and then he i remember one other time he asked the disciples are you ready to be baptized with the baptism that i'm going to be baptized in he's referring to his cross by the way and they're like oh sure they had no idea what they were getting themselves into Sometimes we're a bit short-sighted. And one of the things I like about God's ministry to us in our prayer life is that sometimes because we are short-sighted, Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Boy, if there's ever a time to, or a verse to motivate you to keep your mouth shut during a pr- public prayer meeting, that would be one of them, wouldn't it? I've heard some of those prayers, not here, of course, my last church, right? But we become short-sighted in our prayer life, and I think I think part of what we we Part of what we do, and I understand why we do this, because I do the same thing. I didn't just say that. Okay, anyway, I do the same thing. All right. Is that our mind defaults to this idea of Jesus being this big brother in the sky or the genie, you know, that, oh, I'm in trouble now. God, get me out of this. Now, are we to pray for our needs? Yes. Yes, we are. Give us this day our daily bread. Which is interesting if you've ever really thought about this in the Lord's Prayer, which is called the Lord's Prayer, but I think the model prayer, Where you can call it whatever you want. John 17 is really the Lord's high priestly prayer. Um, But in that prayer that Jesus gives us, if we have time, we'll we'll take a look at that a little bit in Matthew 6. In that time, where, uh, uh, that prayer that Jesus gives us, he tells us to pray for our daily needs before, even before we ask for forgiveness. I'll get back to that. I want you to think about that a second. So, yes, it is important that we ask for our daily needs. It, it's called petitionary. We're petitioning God, all right? It's just one form of prayer, but it's called petitionary prayer, and, and but I think, I think when, when we read these verses about prayer and we have a need, and, and so we, we, we come to God with expectations that maybe are not completely within the realm of holiness, not wholeness, but holiness. I remember years ago in a small Bible study and our pastor was leading and, and he wanted prayer requests. And this woman, she's really a nice lady too. This is a friend of my our wife, my wife and our wife. Anyway, um, there's not two of me here. Okay. Um, but this lady, she wanted prayer for her sister-in-law because her sister-in-law was not a nice person. That's a nice Sunday morning way to say it, right? She was not a nice person. So would you pray that my sister-in-law get saved? Oh, she's so difficult, she said. And, and the pastor perceived that. She says, you know, the reality is you just want to pray that she gets saved. This will make your life easier. I thought, wow, that's perceptive. And, and she's like, you know what, you're right. This this poor woman was busted. We prayed that her her sis, I don't know if sister in law ever got saved or not. I hope she did, but we prayed for her, of course, but, but sometimes we go in prayer again, not only do we have uh, uh, are we short sighted but, but our motives are a little bit skewed. We don't quite see the things in the same way that God sees them, and so and so we have the Spirit who helps us in our prayers, second of all, sometimes God answers prayers, but we, we fail to see it. I would ask if you've ever seen that, but you fail to see it, right? Sometimes God answers prayers, but what we fail to see it um, we don't always understand the timing. Matter of fact, I want to replace that. We rarely understand that God's timing in our lives. So I, in the book of Luke, there's the, the Luke 9, where there's a story where the, um, um, Jesus is preaching and he's with his disciples and the people do not receive him. And so uh, I think John was one of them. Um, Luke 9, uh, they want to do what? They want to call down fire from heaven and smoke these people. Luke 9.54, you can look it up later. Now, I've felt that way. I can think of some people even, well, I won't tell you, but I can think of some people even now that I would love to call fire from heaven down. But I also know that there might be some people out there who might want to call fire from heaven down upon me and upon you. See, we don't always understand God's timing. We don't always really understand God's ways. So we default to what we understand in the moment. And the problem with petitionary prayer, we are asking God for something. The problem with that type of prayer is that we are invested emotionally. Sometimes we are overly invested emotionally. Does that make sense? Because if I allow myself to do so, there is plenty about my life that I can get really mad at God about. And tell him that he should have done differently. And call down fire from heaven upon those situations that I just didn't like. But again, we don't always understand his ways. Petitionary prayer can become clouded with our emotional investment. And, and, and so what is wrapped around this particular verse here in verse 22 is what J- John has been telling us, verse 18, My little children, love is not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And verse 23, and this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. The greatest commandment that Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said you were to do what? You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your soul, with your mind, and with your strength. And the second is as the first, you will love your neighbor as yourself. John tells us here that we're to believe on the name of Jesus believe on the name of God's son Jesus Christ what does that mean what does it mean to believe on the name it doesn't just necessarily recognize that he is there who he is it is believing and taking and receiving by faith who he is embracing all that he is not only his character but his 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 substance his physical slash metaphysical reality recognizing who he is that's what this is talking about it, it this idea of believing in the name of jesus is a is a very 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 broad and very full and a very deep concept that I think a lot of times we don't really give enough thought to because Petitionary prayer can be clouded with our emotional investment. We need that focus of loving God and loving others to streamline our focus just toward that which God has for us. In other words, when we really have our focus on loving God and loving others, all those other things that tend to cloud our desires, and we all have those. They start to fall by the wayside. You seek first, Matthew 6.33, you seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So if you really want to streamline your petitionary prayer life, you do so by loving God and loving others. Because It is true that the Bible tells us sin can hinder our prayers. I don't have all the verses. I'm I'm, I'm running out of time here. So I'm not going to cover all the verses. Because sin does distort our fellowship with God. And sin also dulls our spiritual sensitivity. It dulls our spiritual sensitivity. James chapter 4 verse 3 says that you do not. You ask and you do not receive. Because you ask amiss. That's one of my favorite New King James words. You ask amiss. In other words, you ask, you miss the target somehow. You ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. I think the King James says on your own lust. That seeing God as the genie, the big genie in the sky, that is going to grant you three wishes. And that's what James is addressing here. But, but. Because the, the problem with sin is, is, is among other things, I think, it, I think it plunges us not only to a, a place of spiritual in, insensitivity, or we become dull spiritually, but I think what it does, it also makes us a bit a bit um, self-focused. Because part of why we sin to begin with, I think other than the fact that sin is the most natural thing, I think that we can do. But part of why we sin to begin with is because we are focusing on ourselves. Augustine actually described sin as this turning inward and being self-focused. So, I've already kind of touched on this, but I want to end with a quick look Matthew 6. And I was thinking about this prayer this morning. Um, and, and, I, and I'm just kind of asking myself the question, have, have we really spent enough time really considering this prayer? Matthew 6, and I want to look in verse 11. We don't, due to time, I won't look at the whole prayer. But uh, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So you have three primary things here. You have this idea of praying to God for him to give us. And then you have praying to God to, for forgiveness. And then also praying to God for deliverance. So you have give, forgive, and deliver. Um, so we, and again, to me, the order in here is rather interesting, is that we pray to God according to Jesus now, all right? We just read it. We pray to God for our personal needs first right there right there in the bible all right we pray to god for our personal needs first before we pray and ask for forgiveness do you find that interesting i find that fascinating <clears throat> but when i stop and i think about the purpose of prayer and i think at, at times we think of prayer as this almost this mechanical um means by which we address things to God. And if we've, if we've read the Bible at any length, then we recognize it's a mechanical means by which we address things to God that he already knows. All right. But I really believe an important element of prayer that we've got to give greater weight to is that prayer is that place where God begins to shape and to form and to change and to mold us. And so, when I pray f- to God and ask for my daily bread, and sometimes I think we neglect to do that because the check's coming, right? The check's coming. Well, what if the government goes belly up and the check stops coming? Which is possible. And do we trust in the check or do we trust in God's provision? And ask God to give us this day our daily bread. We're not praying for a full refrigerator here, notice. But to give us this day our daily bread. And and once we realize that God has provided, once we take and and again Prayer is more than just a recital of these words. I pray, give us this day our daily bread. Then I begin to start thinking about how all those many days that I have lived, that God has, in fact, given me my daily bread. I mean, I I have had days, very few, by the way, very few. But I have had days that I had to decide whether I was going to eat breakfast, lunch, or dinner because I couldn't eat all three. I could eat one. And so I remember that, but nonetheless, I remember God's provision. And when I start to think about God's provision in my life, what do I start to think about? I start to think about his goodness. I start to think about his faithfulness. I start to think about... What a wonderful God he is to me that he would even provide for me this day my daily bread. And so because of that, I want to be in a right relationship with him. Therefore, my uh, my worship of him, because he is such a giver, it goes right into making sure that my relationship with him is correct. Therefore, I ask for forgiveness. See the genius of God? Do you see the genius of God in that? Where he, he b- before we like, all right, I messed up again. He wants to bring before us, and I almost consider this prayer like a banquet table. He brings before us his incredible provision before we get down to the business of forgiveness. And we pray, give us this day our daily bread. So that we're more aware of his goodness in our life. And then we pray for forgiveness. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And notice in verse 14 of Matthew 6. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses... Neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. Does that say what it means and means what it says? I believe it absolutely says what it means and it means what it says. Now granted, I'm, I'm tying this back into First John chapter 3 in just a second, okay? So I pray about forgiveness. Lord, I want you to forgive me. And then God says, <clears throat> what about him? Or them. And what are you going to do with that? And I'm told that if I'm going to receive the forgiveness of God, I have to be forgiving. We read about that also earlier in 1 John 3. And real quick, what is forgiveness? I was talking with somebody about this recently. Forgiveness is not about forgetting. I hate that phrase, forgive and forget. I forget when I have Alzheimer's and I'm too old to remember, okay? I always remember. I don't think God calls us to forgive and forget. I think God calls us to forgive and, and, and to, to take the offense to where, uh, not that it didn't matter, not that the pain that it caused me didn't matter, Um. But I forgive, nonetheless, the offense. Because in reality, if I'm really upset about something, it probably did matter. If you were really upset about something, it probably did matter. And it doesn't mean that when you forgive that that pain is just automatically, just magically going to go away. There are certain people in my life whom I have forgiven, forgiven, but every time I rub shoulders with them in any way, shape or form, I am reminded, and it's almost as if I have to forgive them all over again. And to be honest with you, I hate that. I hate that. but I'm called to forgive. Forgiveness does not mean that things do will will go back to the way things were. If you believe that, I've got some land at the bottom of the Salton Sea that I would sell you really cheap. I've got the deed in my briefcase. Things don't go back to the way they were just because you forgave. You forgive because you're commanded to. You forgive, you forgive because God says, if you forgive others, I will forgive you. You see, what forgiveness does forgiveness toward us from others, forgiveness toward others from us, forgiveness to us from God. What forgiveness does is is, is a grace that 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 extinguishes, that ends the separation. It ends the separation that the Bible uses the term enmity. Now, granted, there's all kinds of qualifiers with this. I, I love that phrase, fool me once, shame on me. Excuse me, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Your mileage shouldn't vary on that one. That's just my opinion anyway. But, but yeah, um, but nonetheless, it ends that separation. And 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 how important um, that that separation is severed, and there is some form of 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 a uh, coming back together. It may not be the way that it was. The pain does not go away, but nonetheless, we're called to forgive. Can I use a nice Jewish term? That schmuck. <laughs> because in doing so, it sets us free. And that is, I'm, remember I told him I'm going to tie this into First John. That is how we believe in the name of Jesus Christ and love one another. Because it's easy to love the lovely. But part of our prayer life, not only in asking for provision, but in dealing with the issues of forgiveness, both those who have offended us and our incredible offense. That we have done. To God. And because I love God. I want to be. In a place where there is no separation. And because I have been called to love. Others. I need to be in a place. And as I changed the word by the way. I need to be in a place of separation. Which means sometimes loving people is difficult because some people are unlovely. And it's just hard. And so I take that back into verse 22. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. And sometimes those things that are pleasing in His high sight are hard things—forgiving people. I was going to use an adjective there, but never mind. You you get the idea. Forgiving people and dealing with that, and being being being. A, In a place where you allow God to even use those circumstances in your life to continue to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ who gave himself and loved the world that while we were yet sinners, he dies for us. So, I don't have a good answer to verse 22. Or those other verses I read to you earlier. At the beginning of this message. But I do want to say to you in this. Let's be about our father's business. As easy as it is sometimes. And as incredibly difficult. As it is sometimes. To seek first. The kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto us. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, this is hard. Sometimes your word is, is hard. It's, it's, it's like a, it cuts us. It's like a weight that crushes us even. And at times, even in reading these things, every ounce of me cries out, I don't want to do this. And yet, Lord, we do know that we want no separation between us and you. Lord, help us to not have separation between us and those who have offended us. Help us to be forgiving, loving people. And to do those things that are pleasing in your sight, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you guys.